Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Almost Famous Minute, where we're discussing the 2000 Cameron Crowe film Almost Famous, one minute at a time. I'm Eric Nash from Watchmen Minute. Hey, it's me, Tyler Boudreaux from Wildcat Minute. And we have our special guest today. Uh, Chad Burdett from the Albany Times Union Comics blog and other things. Yeah, welcome back, both both, both of you guys. Uh, Tyler, thanks so much for... Doing a little co-hosting duties again. I appreciate that, buddy. Oh, thank you. It's it's my job. And Chad's our guest, as as, as we said. Uh, he's he's an old old friend I met way over in Reading, Pennsylvania, many years ago. Now, yeah, old friends. And we we even did the little Baltimore Comic Con trip too. Little uh, stay. Oh, the good old days. <laughs> yeah, in the good old days when you could actually actually meet up with people and. Leave and, the house. Yeah. <laughs> Be in a crowd. <laughs> um, so we're back this week, uh, second week with these couple wonderful guys uh, for Minute 53. And it starts with Jeff explaining the roles in the band and ends with Jeff continuing the argument. A lot of Jeff. Yeah. And I was so glad that, you know, like this, 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 this probably best longest uh, you know, kind of uh, diatribe by him um, wasn't well. It just barely cut off at the end, but it's 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 just the the majority of it. What it's really about the 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 uh, his role in the band is is captured um, it, just within this minute. Some sometimes there's there's punchlines. There's no punchline here. I don't think, but uh, there's punchlines of jokes in other movies that are much more. Much more humorous, meant to be humorous, and so forth. Where jokes are just—it's uh, that they're—they have a punchline that's cut off right, perfectly, unfortunately, sometimes, <laughs> or imperfectly, as it may be. Yeah. So I guess this this minute is our opportunity to kind of talk about the the dynamic between yeah. Russell and Jeff, where one is like Jeff is supposed to be the front man. Uh, how does he put it? I'm the front man, and you're the guitarist with Mystique. And we're yeah. not talking about the comic book character. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, yeah, and so then, so then, this, so 
we can talk about Paige and Plant and Mick and Keith. You know, so, of course, he's talking about Zeppelin first, and Jimmy Page, the guitarist, and Robert Plant, vocalist. And then he actually, he, he switches who, you know, the, the, the roles here for Mick and Keith. Mick is the vocalist, and and uh, Mick, Mick Jagger, <laughs> if you didn't know who that was, <laughs> um, and uh, uh, Keith Richards. Um, and, and so, in both cases, you know, both of those guitarists are supposed to be you know, have this mystique about them and definitely, I definitely, and, and more so compared at least when they're compared with the vocalists. And, and I, I, I get that pretty well. I mean, the, I'd have it, I have it in my head a little less so with Mick and Keith. I mean, I think Mick has a bit of mystique to him too, but uh, Keith definitely has this, this vibe as well though which i've recently joked a bit about so i'm not gonna go through that joke again but well moving kind of further into the future you know talking about you know guitarists and lead singers you know van halen comes comes to mind okay yeah Hmm. yeah that's the only band i can really think of where it's like the guitarist is the main star and like everyone else really doesn't Mm -hmm. matter Uh all of these other bands it's like yeah, like I get, like I get. There's like a leader. There's like a lead yeah. man and They're a both guitarist. Are very important, right? But very they kind of have equal value, like, yeah. mm-hmm. like even like Steven Tyler and Joe Perry, like they're, they're, they're this, they're, they're equals in my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's and that's the weird thing, you know. I mean, yeah, Jeff says front man, you know. Well, I mean, he's it's the the lead singer lead. And, and and there was even the one point when when uh, Russell gets shocked because he's going to grab the mic, so he was going to start singing some back backing vocals. It seemed like I believe um, I always the song that they were singing at that point in in the recorded version that we have on uh, or actually this th- through other sources besides the soundtrack. I th- and actually I think it's through the the uncool um, uh, website that uh, Cameron Crowe runs. He released some of these other other things that weren't officially released back in the day, more recently from the past five or ten years. But um, "Hour of Need" is is the song there that that uh, you know just didn't make sense to me that Russell would be going to grab and and sing some backing vocals. Except except the live version could always be arranged a bit differently. But um, so so then besides those those four names he gives for two, for two you know pairs of two that are that are in two bands, there's one more pair that is given in the um, in the uh, director's cut um, untitled, uh, and that is Blackmore Gillen, is what uh, Jeff Beebe says. And what band are they in? And so that's Deep Purple, and. So the thing there is, I mean, you know, we actually get a Deep Purple song in a couple more minutes or so, um, you know, and that's actually a, a, a song that had yet to be, I think, even maybe written, at least at least recorded and released um, at this time in 73. But um, but we'll, we'll go more into that then. But um, yeah, Richie Blackmore um, as guitarist of Deep Purple. I mean, they are notorious. They're they're a band that's notorious for having all these different versions. And and Deep Purple, I could even see being another band that's kind of um, could 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 have been thrown out there as being an inspiration for this for for the band Stillwater, because they kind of did go from some 
some more pop elements. Not heavy pop, but just a little bit, a little bit poppy. Um, kind of blues pop, if anything, um, to, to this much more uh, heavy metal, hard rock heavy metal. Um, more into the 70s they went. Yeah, it's just usually the argument is the other way around where like another band member yeah. thinks that the lead singer is taking up too much space. So I guess mm. it's an interesting reversal here. Uh-huh. But um, do, I don't know. Do you think? Do you really think that Jeff is the hardest working one up on stage there? <laughs> um. Well, you know, and, and there was a, there 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 is a scene to come where he's even actually besides just singing lead, he is actually even uh. Uh, playing an instrument, playing a piano. Um, and we've also seen him. He, he also does know how to play guitar too, but I don't think we've seen that on stage. We only see that in the hotel room. But yeah, I mean, you know, I think a lot of times, you know, a, a lead singer is is considered, you know, because they're not playing instruments generally. If, if I mean, if they're not, you know, if they're not playing guitar. I mean, that, that would be the most common thing for a lead singer to play in a, in a good, you know, hard rock band, say. I was going to say, talking about lead singers, you know, playing instruments again, going, you know, into the 80s, you have Genesis where Phil Collins was yeah. the drummer. Right. <laughs> yeah, which is, which is somewhat unusual for, for drummers to also be, especially the lead singer. I mean... You know, every now and then I, I'd see some drummers being, you know, doing doing some good backing vocals, much like uh, much like uh, Dave Grohl did with Nirvana. He he would do backing vocals for Kurt, um, and then but then when uh, he moved to to be the to be the front man, to be the a guitar player as well as lead singer for Foo Fighters, um, his his newer drummer um, for that band, uh, uh, Taylor Hawkins, uh, he also. Uh, does puts puts in some time as as a backing vocalist, and even there's definitely been a point or two where he does some lead vocals himself. But yeah, you know, it's yeah, him being the hardest working. I mean, he he definitely gives this. So so that's that, that brings us to the thing I was I was trying to I was I was getting to a little bit. Uh, you know, so he says, "Look, I work as hard or harder than anybody on that stage. You know what I do? I connect." I get people off. <laughs> I look for the one guy who isn't getting off and I make him get off. And, and of course, you know, previous to that, you know, Jeff and Russell said back and forth that, uh, talking about, uh, William being there and, and Jeff not wanting to say anything, anything else, not, not increasingly, um, uh, give, uh, insight, too much insight to the band dynamics and so forth and past history, maybe. But, um, you know, rather than Russell defending him, you know, that, that he wouldn't, that what he's saying that William wouldn't write, <laughs> write, uh, what, whatever Jeff might have to say next. But Jeff's, Jefferson, Jefferson gives that little, little bit and, and he, and he says, actually that you can print. <laughs> hey, speaking of getting people off, should we cut to an ad? <laughs> oh yeah. Right. <laughs> I was going to say that, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we have some, uh, great, uh, ways to, uh, Get people off. You uh, usually with a partner, but sometimes on your own with some uh, sexy free videos, movies. Um, so th- we're talking about Adam and Eve, and uh, you can get some free stuff to spice up your bedroom uh, with at adamandeve.com. If you uh, you can input a promo code, it's AFM Pod there when you when you go to check out. 
you get to select almost any one item for 50% off. And what then you you get uh, you get even more stuff that Adam and Eve will give you just more free stuff at that point. You'll get ten tantalizing free gifts, and you also get a sexy item for him, or you can get a sexy item for him, a special gift for her. But then a third item you'll both enjoy. Um, on top of all that, you also get six free spicy movies, and we know you like movies because you're. Listen to this this uh, podcast about the movie Almost Famous, um, and of course you always get uh, free ship shipping, um, or at least at least this first time I should say. Um, but you just need to go to adamandeve.com and insert uh, FM Pod. That's FM Pod at checkout at adamandeve.com. It's all happening. It's all happening. Um, there's also the point where uh, Penny and I think a couple others maybe are leaving the room. She you know, she has been ironing here. I mean, I, I want to get back to this idea that the, the lead singer is the hardest working person yeah. on stage. Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, I mean, we've been talking about this kind of dynamic between the guitarist and the singer. Like, I mean, so yeah, are, are there specific examples you guys have of like singers who do a really good job of engaging people or seem like they're working hard? hard or harder than others or do you think he's just kind of exaggerating himself it all looks hard to me because i can't sing and i can't play an instrument so anybody up on that stage impresses me Hmm. i mean for for me i mean i'll just say like sing like singing is obviously hard but it's also hard to sing if you're like if you're running around stage and you like if you have high energy and you're walking and you're like trying to breathe and sing that that can be really hard so that's definitely props to him there i don't i don't remember um jeff's kind of dancing moves if he has a kind of a mick jagger kind of dance to 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 him or if he's just kind of a more traditional just kind of standing person i don't know how he moves yeah i I would say more limited from what i remember it's more the sway yeah but in my experience of concert going, like, I don't know, like, I've seen a few concerts in my day. I also work at a concert venue, so there's that. Mm. Um, uh, just uh, first off the top of my mind is, like, uh, the Killers, right? So Brandon Flowers oh, okay. is the front man, and he'll pick up a guitar or go to the piano every once in a while, but mostly he's just singing. Mm-hmm. And so he kind of just hops between, like, the sides of the stage and – he, he he's doing he's doing this hard work of singing but i don't know if he's like that seems kind of normal like he's just kind of there he's not working any harder or less hard another example i have is um my favorite band is bare naked ladies and back when they had steven page he was kind of like their lead singer and he would pick up a guitar guitar every once in a while but him and ed kind of split the singing between them um almost not not quite 50 50, but they each had songs that they sang. So when Ed was singing a song, Steve wasn't really doing as much. So it seemed like Steve was doing less work. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. I think the last concert that I went to was probably, I think it was a Dave Matthews concert. And, you know, I, I like Dave Matthews band up to a certain point not the newer stuff, but uh, I mean, Dave seems like he was a, you know, when I saw him, he was he was playing, he's singing, he's but he would also kind of step back and give the other band members a chance to, mm. to mm-hmm. have the spotlight. 
Yeah. But it was mostly him, you know, interacting with the crowd. Yeah, and I mean if you're if you're the kind of the featured artist and you're playing guitar and singing, if you're a, if you're a Gary Clark Jr. type or uh trying to think of someone from the 70s that would be more appropriate. Um <laughs> totally blanking well, well kind of like we have we have the bus scene the infamous or the famous the very famous bus scene um coming up uh I, I you know i would say elton john you know i mean he is he is the the performer yeah he's note. a solo act <laughs> yet yet i mean he, you know he has his studio musicians and then he probably i'm pretty sure he, i don't know if i don't know if he took those if those same musicians would go out with him or not but um but then he would have the other musicians that would definitely go out at least, you know, uh, on stage with them. And, but, but I mean, they would take a back seat, you know, he, I, I, you know, I, I just, you know, I don't think of the, any of the other musicians really usually. I think I also recently, well, years ago saw, uh, Roger Walters, but you know, it was that show itself is a whole production. So you kind of see him, you kind of don't. You see everything else that's going on around you on the stage as they're, you know, building the wall. But, you know, the band members are also kind of there, but they're kind of in the background. I didn't even know till the end when he was, you know, giving credits to the uh, band, his backup band, that uh, G.E., what was it, G.E. Smith from the Saturday Night Live band was playing with them at that night? Hmm. Wow. Or isn't so, I, I've seen Roger Waters? I saw him do the wall twice. Isn't his son like the guitarist or something? Is that is that a total total figment of my imagination? Because I know what um what's 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 the comfortably numb is the big guitar solo in uh in the second half, right? Probably I don't know. Like I said, it's been a while since we uh, went to see him, and that and that guitar solo goes to this person who I'm imagining is Roger Waters, son and Roger Waters, obviously is doing most of the singing and is all is usually playing. But I remember that being a big moment in the wall show where it was someone else getting the spotlight. Huh. Pink Floyd is another interesting one where the, yeah, there is the argument between uh, Gilmore and waters about who's kind of the, the front man and that kind of yeah. tears them apart. Well, uh, my wife is a Pink Floyd fan, but she will not uh, listen to the uh, Gilmore stuff. I mean, I, I, I like both of them. I mean, I have yeah. I purchased, you know, both The Wall and uh, The Division Bell, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, besides besides The Wall, I'm not I'm not clear generally on who's who, who, who who's doing what song on any of the other albums, you know. I just know I know the wall is is uh, Rogers, his uh, his big concept. It is interesting though. Now that I mention it, that that's kind of a, a debate between the like a guitarist and a bass player, and then that's kind of a more interesting debate because I, I'm even thinking of the Beatles. I mean, uh, John Lennon wasn't the lead guitarist, but John versus Paul is kind of a a more classic. Like they were kind of sharing the the front man status, uh, and same with David Gilmore and Roger Waters, hmm. and that and that's kind of a more more interesting debate than just kind of lead singer who doesn't play an instrument and guitarist who does less singing. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I I hadn't really thought about how similar that those two bands are. Yeah, in that respect, 
but um yeah and and so many others have more clearly defined you know someone is but but that's something that's something you were saying last minute or no no at the very beginning of this minute with uh you know whether with the you know page plant mckeith um that they were it's not so much that, that one of them is a front man it's just more that you know uh plant is the lead singer and you know yeah he'll, he'll go up and you know kind of uh be be the host in a sense maybe uh, at a concert and and jimmy page would hang back and and play some really mean guitar i mean jim speaking of jimmy page i mean even when he was releasing coverdale page i mean he still took okay. the kind of the back background role oh wow okay hmm, interesting I, I like the idea that Jeff brings up towards the beginning is that they, they decided what their roles were. And he says, we yeah, have a responsibility right. to kind of maintain them. Like, I, I like it when a band has kind of like established character roles for each yeah. of the band members. Um, and I think that it really does help that it really does help an audience kind of understand who the band is. Um, You're the bad boy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the Beatles is kind of the the classic example because like, Paul's the cute one and John's the kind of um, uh, cruel one and George is the talent and Ringo's kind of the, the silly one. Um, I I don't know if you guys are familiar with the, the classic film, That Thing You Do, but I always thought that was a classic arrangement of characters of, that a band could be. Weezer, um, Weezer, obviously Rivers is kind of the front band that takes most of the credit, but they all kind of have their own personalities that is they like their own way of dressing and their own way of acting that is kind of unique. And then they started building bands that way, you know, when they started bo- building the boy bands. Or, yeah, you got the, mm, yeah. the Spice Girls. Yeah, that's why you had to, that's how you built a band was each one was given a specific role to play or a certain audience to appeal yeah, to. Yeah, that's, that's heavily contrived, those those boy bands and then i mean you know and, and that all kind of i feel like that kind of came out of the beatles and like with the monkeys then that that uh tried to do something similar but you know where they, yeah they definitely had some defined roles and but you know it's all it's all unfortunately that kind of stuff to me has a bad taste even though i love the monkeys as a kid i love the show especially and I certainly grew to appreciate a good bit of their music, not, not every little deep cut, but but a lot of their hits. But um... well, that's probably one of my favorite uh, episodes of The Simpsons, where they form the boy band, and they're like, "You're the bad boy. You're the one yeah. that you know you'll take home to mom." <laughs> and I, I think it's fun when a band kind of creates their own. Yeah. not stereotypes but roles mm-hmm. for the for the band members to take because it's not like oh you always have the kind of sexy front man i i would say that's probably where stillwater went wrong is they were basing them i actually think this might be clever they're trying to base mm-hmm. themselves off of pre-existing bands mm-hmm. instead of being themselves so yeah if if you decide beforehand okay the lead singer is going to be the sexy one and the guitarist is going to have mystique and the drummer's just kind of kind of be the guy with mutton chops that no one really likes. Um, 
and the bass player will kind of also be there, then you're not really, you're not being creative. You're not doing anything with it. Uh-huh. And that's kind of what Stillwater is probably lacking. Hmm. Kind of shoehorning, shoehorning people into a role that, you know, they may yeah. not be good at doing or could be doing something better with. And that's why I've kind of always loved Bare Naked Ladies, not to get back on them, but they, they're, they've always just kind of taken joy in that their roles are so silly and, um, the drummer will sing during the encores and then the lead singer will play drums and they, they like to throw, throw, throw that into the mix. There's a, a band, I think it's out of Pittsburgh, uh, that I used to listen to. I haven't heard about them, but, uh, their name is Moxie Fruis and one of their songs, like every minute or so, they would all switch instruments and keep playing. <laughs> That's awesome. Mm-hmm. One one of the times I saw Jack White, the band that opened for him was Shovel and Rope, and I think it might have been a brother and sister, or maybe just a guy and a girl. And they would kind of every song they would switch like, play one was played drums, one would play guitar, and they would just kind of switch between them. And I, I thought that was an interesting way to do it. Just like yeah, who cares? Just switch it up every once in a while. Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, and they're back to back to the point you're kind of getting at a little bit. I think you know where where Jeff says there's a responsibility here. And that's when Russell Hammond kind of interrupts him, saying, excuse me, but then we all get into this to avoid responsibility. And, you know, I mean, that's, you know, that's kind of, kind of again, a classic kind of stereotype of, of rock bands, especially of the 70s, say, that, you know, coming out of, especially coming out of the 60s, that, uh, you know, they, they, they love the idea of, of being in a rock band from, from, the greatness that they saw of whether it was Beatles, Stones, who or Zeppelin or something, but um, you know, just they just they just kind of saw it as as a way to be free from responsibility. I think um, I think that's kind of a cop out answer from Russell, yeah. though. He he knows he's losing the argument, mm-hmm. so <laughs> he's like, um, something something vague about how we're we're cool rock stars and not not actually engaging in the points that my opponent is making. <laughs> but at the same time jeff is being a bit of a of a jerk i'll say yeah jeff definitely has these jerky tendencies i mean but again not to say that russell doesn't have his own <laughs> um with that poolside chat um uh one other thing we see here at like about minute uh, in a second about second uh 40 uh is uh good old silent ed sitting over on this uh one of these chairs looks like a couple different chairs uh, next next to Dick. Dick has come over and sat down next to him. And we're not totally sure. I I, I don't f- feel totally understanding about where where some of the different people are in the room. I mean, we definitely have the bigger view when we do see Penny in the background there. But you know, which which side of that room from that view behind William? You know, which side has Larry on it? Which side has Ed and now Dick on? Yeah, kind of like we were talking about last minute. It's not the the spatial awareness of the photography is not yeah. perfect mm-hmm. in this. Although I will kind of amend what I what I do enjoy directing wise is that when when we see William watching Jeff kind of rant, it is kind of a, an interesting POV shot where yeah, we do right. get this like small amount of camera mu- movement as he kind of looks back and forth as Jeff kind of walks across the room. And I, I do think that's an interesting shot, and it is looking up at him just just that small amount, um, which is which is good. And then we kind of cut back to it, see William's kind of faces that are 
bland-ish, but express that uh-huh. he's interested in what's going on. Yeah, William is kind of, you know, taken aback at the one point, but then he's more into it when Jeff says he can, like, that, that you can print, <laughs> you know. He understands that <laughs> and he gives a little nod. And, and then the other thing, back to Silent Ed, I mean, the one thing we see there, though, is is Ed doing some of his good silent acting, is his just very uh, nonverbal body language, you know, eye roll-ish type thing almost. He, he looks over at Dick is what he's doing, you know, and, and just kind of, there's a blink in there and, you know, it's like, uh, I can't believe this is happening. This really sucks. <laughs> kind of attitude. But uh, hopefully, hopefully we'll get through this and things will be back to normal soon. So now we'll get to, uh, uh, for you, Tyler, um, would you be able to rank for us uh, just just your favorite, and it's favorite to least, or vice versa, the four bands? You need, you need a rundown yeah. of them again? So it's, yeah, it's Zeppelin, Eagles, Almond Brothers, and Skinnerd. Yeah. All right, Zeppelin, I have to agree with uh mm-hmm. chad is number one for no, me a large majority um of the, of the definitely <laughs> the only band in this cropping that i care for at all what a bunch of hacks <laughs> oh wow <laughs> Led, yeah led zeppelin is good i definitely see their influence um in a lot more music um someone yeah. once pointed out to me that uh, jack white has a lot of traces in oh, yeah. led zeppelin and i see that even though i i do definitely think that Jack White's influence is more the um, uh, Delta blues Mm -hmm. and that kind of blues tradition that Led Zeppelin was also kind of playing on, but in a different way, I think, I think there are two different branches from the same root, but I don't think Jack White is on the same branch as Led Zeppelin in a weird way. Um, but that, that's a, that's a different discussion. Um, Ooh, next I've really never listened to Allman Brothers at all. I don't even think I could tell you a song, but I think I'm going to rate them next because I think they have cred. i just not not sure what kind. Um, and then I'll go Eagles and then Skinnerd. I they they can just be tied. I don't I don't I don't, re- I don't really connect with the kind of I, I don't want to like put them down by calling them country rock because I do think they're legitimate rock and roll bands, but that 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 kind of rock with the country sound I never really connected with as as strongly as the more bluesy sound, and it's always been my impression that um, Skinner or not uh, Zeppelin was kind of more on the the blues and Almond Brothers. I don't know where they lie. What, what, am, am I totally? Am I totally making stuff up? Are they? Are they more bluesy or country? Southern rock. I, I say Almond Brothers definitely have a more blues vibe than say Skinnerd. Um, okay. But 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 they're it's not so much country. I say if if anything is closest to country on this list, it's Eagles. The yeah. other two, Almond Brothers and Leonard Skinner, they're all they're just they're just the the Southern fried kind of <laughs> feel. You know, to, to, yeah. to blues, take on blues. Yeah. And I I mean, in general, I don't really. 70s is kind of where you lose me for music. Yeah. I oh, have okay. a lot of I have a lot of Beatles uh, 
knowledge and like sixties music love. Um, I, 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 lo- I love a lot of the who and Rolling Stones early records from the sixties. And then once, once they get into the seventies, I kind of trail off with them. Um, at, Aerosmith is probably the only band mm-hmm. whose records from the seventies I I've connected with. And I mean, I, I, I enjoy some electric light orchestra and certain, certain songs and bands, but that this kind of like, uh, the, 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 the kind of genre of music that this movie is about, which is kind of these like, uh, like long hair, uh, uh, kind of sexy, uh, rustic not rustic i don't know like kind of twangy get twangy rock bands i've never really connected with as much so i would say skinnerd and uh almond brothers are more of, of the or almost like a jam band almost but more of a yeah oh mm-hmm. yeah i and i definitely don't connect with jam bands <laughs> so that 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 was the that's the angle i think uh-huh. that really distills it for me but yeah, okay. that's kind of my diatribe. I mean, I've mentioned all the bands that I'm interested in, and so you can you can judge my music taste as far as you're concerned. Well, I, I definitely recommend. I mean, if you know, you mentioned you mentioned the Who, and their very late '60s one I love is is um <clears throat> um crap. Why is it? It's it's the oh. Minneapolis one that's in Rushmore. Oh, quick one! Quick, yeah, yeah, quick one while he's away. Yeah, that's my one of my yeah. favorite songs. Yeah, oh great. my god, yeah, yeah same. That whole album is great. Well, yeah, and I haven't listened to that whole album for quite a while, but uh, but just that song itself is. Uh, yeah, don't rush more. That's that's my favorite yeah. movie. So, mm-hmm. wow. then that's that's kind of why I love all those '60s songs. Is that uh, yeah. they're all those kind of different, yeah, they Wes Anderson that. vibe. Mm-hmm. Um. That kind of it's not it's not punk it's not punk music but it's kind of that kind of rough sound that was in the sixties yeah a little, a little bit, bit garage rock essentially they're kind of, yeah some some of it's garage rocky some of it's more kind of on the more pop definitely not, yeah depending on the pop song singer songwriter side with like Cat Stevens too you know but um, yeah. yeah at the same time I do really love Simon and Garfunkel and kind of yeah, yeah the Cat Stevens okay. vibe that that also really hits cool. me good so. Well, uh, let's let's get some get some thoughts from Chad too. I, I, I'd specifically like to know about your history with the movie, but um, you know, also also some anything about you know the kind of like the classic rock, the seventies rock that morally you'd like to say. Well, if I if I had to uh, pick a decade of rock that I've most mm. uh, <laughs> I say identify with, it's probably the eighties uh, mm. pop, but. Uh, there was a, I would say my high school years, I did uh, kind of take a dive into the uh, Southern okay. Rock, uh, Leonard Skinner stuff. So, I mean, I have a pretty eclectic uh, music taste. Uh, mm-hmm. Right now, I'm kind of into the um, alt-rock scene. I mean, that's I'll, I'll listen to that. I'll listen to classic rock. I, 90s, you know, I'm... I'm, some of the pop rock from the '90s is, you know, I like the cheesy stuff. Okay, if it's, yeah. <laughs> if if it was, you know, if they're one hit wonders, then I'm mm-hmm. I'm right there. But, you know, I I can I I'll, I'll listen to the you know '70s '60s. There was even a time probably in the past couple of years that uh, I was really into the '50s. Oh yeah. So cool. 
probably around the time we saw uh, Jersey Boys. Uh, <laughs> so, but um, no, I, I I would say I have a pretty eclectic uh, taste of music. I mean, it's funny uh, since you do the Weezer podcast. Our, mm-hmm. our my son is uh, three and a half years old, and uh, <laughs> we we were listening to eighties uh, the eighties station on through the Alexa, and out of Africa came on or. Toto Africa came on and goes, Weezer's like, no, that's Toto, but <laughs> yeah, and right. sometimes we'll we'll, right. we'll ask him, what do you want to listen to? Weezer? Yeah, Weezer. <laughs> so Yeah, that, that that would lead you down lead him lead him down a very you know, unaware of what the whole, the whole rest of Weezer's catalog is, <laughs> you know. <laughs> take take him down some uh some unfortunate like Pinkerton, you know, and and then the, the album we're just doing, uh, Maladroit, uh, there's there's a couple points in Maladroit where it gets a little Pinkerton-ish, which is, you know, to say, kind of uh, not not too with it as, as, you know, or judged by time very not very well. <laughs> um, but then, uh, so then what about, uh, so for the movie, though, like, like the first time you saw the movie? Oh, I think I was I was trying I was trying to figure this out. It must have been what? I was trying to figure out, but I couldn't find it. What month? Do you know what month it came out in 2000? Um, uh, I'm thinking it was the summer. I think it's September. Did, September, October, September. Pretty sure. It must It must have been either after I graduated from college because I was I took a year off before I went back to grad school. And every weekend I would go see a movie. And I remember going to see Almost Famous and you know, really enjoying it. And I bought the DVD and okay. I've seen it. Yeah. It was one of those that was in my, uh, repeatedly, I, I can watch this and still enjoy it. Cause usually if I see a movie once, then it's hard for me to, you know, see it again or even put on a movie here at the house and just kind of sit through and watch, watch it, you know, all the way through and have it, uh, keep my interest. But, you know, this is one of my favorite ones because, you know, it, it hits a lot of uh, strong points for me, you know, music, uh, stuff like that. And I was just thinking, again, uh, I've when I started doing a lot of interviews at like Comic Cons and stuff, when I go up to the, you know, creator, I go, you know, I know I'm the enemy, but would you like to do an interview? <laughs> <laughs> and I always, you know, kind of flash back to, you know, this, this movie as to that whole uh, relationship that, you know, with people who mm-hmm. are more in the spotlight and you're just a regular person that wants to talk to them about yeah. what they're doing. Sure. Yeah. The couple of times when, when William kind of, you know, indicates presents himself as the enemy. You know, those are those are some of the sweetest, I think, points when when he has that little twinkle in his eye, talking with one, whoever, whether it's Russell or Penny or whoever. So that's what I got. <laughs> yeah, thanks so much, Chad, um, and uh, also Tyler, our co-host for these couple yeah. minutes so far, and hopefully we can have you both back for the next one. I think that's possible. Sounds good. Seems good. Yeah. Well, thanks. Thank you so much. Yeah, so I, I too, am a Movies by Minutes podcaster. Um, My current project is uh, podcasting uh, Wildcat Minute, which is our minute-by-minute analysis of High School Musical with me and my sister, Condra, whom you've heard on this show before. Um, So I don't, I guess I don't need to go into too much detail about it. But yeah, we're, our, 
our kind of our podcast feed is the amateur nerds. So if you want to look us up, you can find us there. Uh, just kind of lighthearted kids, kids fair um, in high school musical, but it's fun because I haven't seen the movie. So I'm kind of working through it one minute at a time, seeing it for the first time. And if you want to check out our, our older projects, we did fantastic Mr. Fox one minute at a time and the Joss Whedon project, Dr. Horrible sing along blog in about 14 episodes. And I believe you can find Eric on one of those episodes. Not, not for, not, not for Dr. Horrible. Now, now Zach, he, he, okay. he, I think he got on, right? All right. I'm, I'm, I'm blanking then. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, and yeah, and I, I've, I've popped up on some, uh, some other movies by minutes and, um, feels like Weezer, but probably, uh, spent too much time looking through those, uh, for it to be worth it. So. Yeah. And on the social media, you can follow Amateur Nerds on Twitter at Amateur Nerds. You can follow me personally at Tyler Booty, T-Y-L-E-R-B-O-U-D-Y, like Boudreaux. And on Instagram at the same handle, if you care for videos of me playing ukulele covers, which is most of what I spend my quarantine content production also doing. But yeah, that's that's it for me. That's great. Um, and so I'll just give out a couple little social plugs for the, the show itself, just in case you didn't know, uh, we're on Facebook. Uh, we have our page there, facebook.com slash almost famous minute. And our uh, group there is, uh, the band-aids listener society. Um, just need to, you know, ask, ask to join and answer a couple quick, uh, easy questions about the movie that, uh, and, and even if you put in something really goofy, I'll still add you in. Just, I just will we'll know you're not a bot that way. Um, and then there's, uh, the, uh, Twitter, uh, for this show is at almost famous men and the same for Instagram too. So you can, uh, follow in all those different places or whatever ones you, you prefer. Hope to see you around. Um, so, uh, like I said, uh, it sounds like we'll have both, both you guys, Chad and Tyler back for a minute 54 next time. This was 53. And until then, it's all happening. It's, it's all, all happening. happening. I am a golden god! Yeah! 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 And I was Queen of Hearts is always your best bet. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett.
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 